0: You're listening to the Hearth of Weird podcast.
1: Where we discuss heathenry, lore, and legend,
0: and the modern take on an ancient practice.
1: I don't know how to sound natural now. Now I'm overthinking it. Okay. Okay.
0: Hello. Thank you for listening to the Hearth of Weird podcast. Today's episode is on the historical and modern traditions of Yule.
1: That was a very good intro. You sounded very professional. Thank you. Should you tell the people who you are?
0: My name is Oz.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My name is Kira.
0: Welcome to Heathens After
1: Dark. (laughs) No, no, I don't think that's it. Hearth of Weird Podcast, where we talk about all things heathenry, including lore, practice, and the unsolicited viewpoints from two opinionated assholes. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that sums it up pretty well. It does. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. What's been going on with you? What kind of bullshittery have you been witnessing?
0: Oh, the bullshittery abounds this week. The bullshittery abounds. Yeah, I've been uh, having a really great time watching people on various social media platforms talk shit about uh, heathens that practice things that include uh, any kind of modern practice whatsoever.
1: Way Okay. Okay. You're going to need to get into this deeper with me because I don't understand what how they could have that stance.
0: Oh, well, apparently the concepts of frith and weird are not Norse concepts, apparently.
1: Okay. All right. And so believing in those things, even though they are attested to, perhaps under different words, like conceptually, they are historically attested to
0: yeah yeah apparently that makes you not actually a heathen
1: oh my god i fucking hate it here
0: and the idea of course that uh anyone who's practicing heathenry today is in some way not uh a neo-pagan which is interesting to me because all modern recreations of ancient religions is neo
1: (sighs) i hate i hate everything okay so what does their heathen practice look like then
0: i'm assuming that they just like live in a mud puddle in the woods (laughs)
1: I'm sorry, but insulation is not heathenry.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. That's why my entire house is not insulated.
1: (laughs) Central air is not heathenry. I'm sorry, having a a home with an asphalt roof, that's not heathenry. You're right. You're a poser. You're a poser now.
0: Absolutely. I have to give away all of my things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I will take creature comforts and be a poser all day long. (laughs) Okay, so who was even saying that? Like... Is it bit is it making the rounds? Are people talking about it or is it just something that you stumbled across?
0: Oh, no, this is just things that I've I've been finding. It's oh. a lot of a lot on TikTok. There's a lot on t- TikTok. TikTok oh, no. is a great source of ire for me.
1: You know what's even a greater source of ire for me is Facebook, which is why I'm not a part of literally any heathen Facebook groups cuz I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it.
0: I only have a Facebook so that I can look at pictures of deceased family members. Otherwise, I don't use it at all.
1: It's bad. It's so bad out there. Um, In my week of bullshittery, there was a very important argument brought up. Is Odin winking or blinking?
0: I... <laughs> Maybe I'm the asshole because neither.
1: <laughs> what, you just stares?
0: He only has one eye.
1: Yeah, I know. So is it winking or blinking?
0: It's blinking.
1: I don't know. Odin seems like a sassy little guy. So I think he winks a lot. But here's what I decided. When he's winking, it's accompanied with a click sound with his mouth. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just blinking. Like, don't. You know what I mean? But he's got to be a winky guy. He has to.
0: I think he is a winky guy. He's He's kind of a rogue. He's skeevy.
1: (laughs) There's that too but he's got it like (laughs) you know he's got to look at the ladies and all the time he has to but it's just the one eye (laughs) i'm just picturing like this wizard in big robes like i don't know why i picture odin as like a gandalf type but i do i
0: I mean yeah that makes sense
1: a one-eyed gandalf
0: yeah with daddy issues
1: (laughs) oh oh no (laughs) oh that's fucking funny Okay, that was really all of the bullshittery for me. I loved that topic. Um, I'm glad that I missed the weird and frith not being heathen. Because, like, to me, those things are, like, core concepts in heathenry. Well, enough with the bullshittery. Do you think we should get to the fucking meat and potatoes of our episode now?
0: I do love potatoes.
1: You do? Uh, How do you like them?
0: In my mouth. (laughs)
1: sworn that you were gonna do the boil a mashem stick them in a stew type thing but i do love your answer even more
0: it's the best answer i could come up with at the time mm.
1: mm-hmm. absolutely it is all right well yes. Yeah. so let's get into it shall we that's your line
0: yeah i'm so glad you asked let's get into it
1: <laughs> fantastic okay where do you want to start you want to start with like the history of you
0: yeah do you want to just go back and forth source for source
1: we can do that, yeah, we can absolutely do that. If there's something that either one of us misses, I'm sure that we'll catch it. But I think that the I think that a lot of people struggle because there are so many different ways of celebrating Yule, even like historically attested celebrations of Yule. Um, there's the three day, there's the 12 day, there's the two-month that you just mentioned that I had never (laughs) heard of before (laughs) that we'll get into. Um, But I will say that traditionally for the most part, as far as I understand it, that Yule was a three day thing. And it's only one of three official and historically attested to heathen holidays. Right. Um, If you want to celebrate Yule on the official Yule days It's a really simple, (laughs) it's a really simple thing. You just have to calculate it. And it's the, what was it? The first full moon after the new moon following the winter solstice. So that's super easy.
0: Right, right. I'm sure that
1: you've got those dates just right off the top of your head for this coming Yule.
0: Oh, all the time. I don't even know when those dates are, actually. (laughs) The first... It's I don't the first full moon after the first new moon after the winter solstice. So the winter solstice is generally the twenty first, right? Yes. So then, um, yeah, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's sometime in January, I'm sure.
0: Sometime, yeah, sometime in January.
1: Um, and it's it's interesting to me because I do think that a lot of people think that the like historically Yule was celebrated on the winter solstice. And we're finding that that's not true. Right. That the winter solstice wasn't really a thing for the arch heathens. But I mean, personally, I think that celebrating around the winter solstice is still a valid practice, just because I feel like it's in alignment with the energy of the rest of the Western world in the Northern Hemisphere.
0: Right, right. I think there's a lot to be said, too, about it being specifically a Northern Hemisphere practice, because... People aren't celebrating winter in July here.
1: Here, right.
0: In the Southern Hemisphere, of course, they are. So, Right. And that's kind of speaking to the the idea that there can't be Norse Pagans all around the world. Like, of course there can, you know?
1: 100%.
0: For them to celebrate midwinter in the middle of their summer because they have to align with the Northern Hemisphere dates is just absurd.
1: Do you feel that people that live in the Southern Hemisphere should celebrate Yule during winter? Like, is that... I feel like you, I feel like they should, but I don't know.
0: I, I agree actually. I agree with okay.
1: that because like it is about the the nature like the natural season it's not about a date on a calendar right okay. okay well we're on the same page then all right, well that's fine. All right what uh what historical sources should we dig into here?
0: Um I've got a good one from Benjamin Thorpe.
1: Okay, which one is that one?
0: Um, In Thorpe's Northern Mythology, Volume 2, pages 49 and 50, this is uh, a very small excerpt that just basically states that Yule existed.
1: (laughs) Oh, excellent. Fantastic. Okay, let's have it.
0: Okay, so uh, many... Christmas customs and pastimes derive their origin from the sacrifices, which in the days of heathenism were appointed in order to render the gods propitious, which is giving or uh, indicating a good chance of success or some kind of favorable uh, light upon these propitious. people. I propitious. I
1: like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, you'll have to forgive the language. Uh, Benjamin Thorpe lived in the 1800s, so...
1: I will not forgive that. (laughs) That's that's fair. (laughs) I like that, though. Propitious.
0: Propitious. The sacrifices consecrated to Odin, which sometimes consisted of human beings, uh, were celebrated with games and dancing in Gothland, as he puts it, uh, where most memorials of Odin are to be met with a game still exists in some places which represents such a sacrificial dance. It is performed amid many nimble springs and changes of motion by young men disguised with their faces blackened or colored.
1: That's... In- okay. Well, some practices are best left in the past. <laughs>
0: some practices are. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> One of these represents the victim. Everything required for the sacrifice is brought forth, which is apparently carried into effect to the sound of music or of song. Sometimes the person selected as the victim sits clad in skin naked on a stool, holding a wisp of straw in his mouth, which cut sharp at the ends and standing out from his ears is intended to resemble a swine's bristles. Oh. Yeah, like Gulenbursty, Frey's bore.
1: All right, I dig it.
0: He is thus supposed to represent the sacrifice made at Yule to Frey, and which consisted of a hog. In many places, a loaf or cake is baked, which is called the Yule Hog, or Yule Galt, and is kept until the spring when it is given to the cattle with which the labors of spring are to be executed.
1: I love that. That's cool. Yeah. The I feel bad for the naked dude on the stool, like the, the human hog, for the celebration. <laughs> like I wonder how they picked that one out. Yeah. Would you, would you volunteer to be the human hog?
0: No, but I think I'd be a good human hog selector.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I don't even know if I want to know the parameters by which you would judge the best human hog.
0: Oh, no. Those are top secret.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's probably for the best. We don't want to get canceled our first episode. I don't think. We will. We will. (laughs) No. Okay. So I've got some stuff from uh, the Inglinga Saga and Heimskringla.
0: Ooh.
1: Um, okay, and this is just the uh, attestations for the three official holidays. Literally the only thing that states what the three official heathen holidays are, right? So it's in Section 8, Odin's giving. On winter day, there should be blood sacrifice for a good year, yule. And in the middle of winter, for a good crop, winter nights. And the third sacrifice should be on summer day for victory in battle, battle, sieger That's it. Battler. Huh? Battler. Battler. Battler? (laughs) Why?
0: I mean, this really speaks to like the very small amount of historical attestation that we actually have toward heathen holidays, which is really interesting.
1: Well, and that's why I'm always just like, and we'll do a full episode on heathen holidays. But what you should know is that the Norse Wheel of the Year Number one is created by some real questionable characters. Do your research. But also, most of it is Wiccan-influenced. Like, those aren't heathen holidays. Those are Wiccan holidays with a near thrown on them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Beltane, in bulk.
1: Yeah, none of those are ours. Well, it's, it's totally valid to celebrate the turning of the seasons. Like, sure. and to be in tune with nature and to do the things, but just know that that's not historically how it was done. Absolutely. Um... Okay. And then in Heimskringle, the saga of Haken the Good, section 15, it says the following. The first night of Yule was hokunot. I'm going to... That is terrible. Listen, if we have any non-American listeners, like they are probably shutting the podcast off right now because of my pronunciation of these words. <laughs> okay. I'm
0: going to fall prey to that too. It's fine. Okay.
1: okay. We're Americans with American mouths. Okay. That yeah. is midwinter night and Yule was held for three nights. Hangskringla saga, Magnus the Blind, chapter six Yule was kept holy for only three days when no work was done.
0: Hakon the Good, his saga is all about Hakon, of course, like generating and propagating Christianity in Scandinavia, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that really speaks to it as well, because uh, the idea of like not doing work kind of like a Sabbath um, is not a heathen practice in general. But it is in a lot of Abrahamic faiths.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. In your notes, were there other things that you wanted to talk about as far as historical Yule things? I can't remember.
0: <clears throat> um well, so Dr. Andreas E. Zotner, and I probably butchered that name really poorly. Um, he states uh, in one of his books that the lunar solar lunar solar calendar of the Germanic peoples uh, reconstruction of a bound moon calendar from ancient medieval and early modern sources. It's chapter 10. Uh, it is a common misinterpretation to think that it happened midwinter on the winter solstice, as you kind of mentioned earlier, according to the Primstaff, the winter feast was celebrated in the so-called Hakunot on January 12th. This it, excuse me Uh, it has been a calendar fixed date in the middle of the Julian month applying a lunar calendar uh, this is the full moon date also in accord with the Yule moon and disting rules this time in the first lunar moon of the year beginning after the solstice it's kind of an attestation about uh, when Yule would have been the first full moon after the first new moon after the winter solstice (laughs) super easy super easy so January 12th is a good estimate, then, according to Dr. Andreas Sotner. Okay. <sighs> uh, there is also a, a historical attestation for the gift-giving aspect of Yule.
1: Let's go! Okay.
0: So in Egil's Saga, Chapter 70, Aaron Bjorn held a great Yule feast, to which he bade his friends and the neighboring landowners. There was there much company and good cheer. Ehrenbjorn gave Egel as a Yule gift a trailing robe made of silk and richly broidered with gold, studded with gold buttons in front, all down to the hem. Erenbjorn had the robe made to fit Egel's stature. Erenbjorn also gave to Egel at Yule a complete suit newly made. It was cut of English cloth of many colors, friendly gifts of many kind, kinds gave Aaron bjorn at yule to those who were his guests for Aaron bjorn was beyond all men open-handed and noble
1: i love that i love that and i'm glad that you brought that up because and this is another thing the gift giving process has always been a cornerstone of heathen practice and when i say heathen practice back then it was just what was done it wasn't considered heathenry it was just how you fucking lived right right And so to see where that started and how it has always continued, we also need to keep in mind that it wasn't just a Yule tradition. It was an every special occasion tradition, you know? And it was a cultural tradition. Um, When I'm looking at, you know, modern pagans, I'm gonna go on a rant, okay. Modern heathens uh, are so quick to get that little gotcha in, when it comes to Christmas celebrations. And it's like, you stole the tree, you stole the gift giving, you stole the this, you stole the that, the mistletoe, the blah blah And they're like, Christian stole that from us. And I'm like, no, no. What happened was we already had these traditions culturally in these geographical regions. And when we converted to Christianity, those cultures survived or that that tradition survived. You know, it's not a matter of Christians stealing anything. It's just, that's what the people did, you know? Right. And while it did later become something that was like, oh, this is now part of our tradition too. It wasn't necessarily like thieving, you know? The origins may have been lost until now when everybody's like, do you know where that started? Do you know how the Christmas tree started? Do you know why people give gifts? Do you know, you know, and get into the the origin story of these traditions, but it wasn't theft,
0: of course not when people bring up the theft of of pagan traditions in favor of christianity's christmas i like to cite uh that the romans practiced saturnalia long before heathens practiced yule at least that we have record of and saturnalia is christmas like if you look at saturnalia the the entire practice of saturnalia is christmas
1: right there are so many things well it's like how can you when you're looking at lights and fires and using the natural things around you, like trees and logs and branches and mistletoe and all the th- the things to decorate, right? That's just what you do for party time. Yeah. You know? And so anyway, I, I, I'm i so glad that you brought that up. But yeah, I don't want to hear the gacha moment. <laughs> like, I love that it's like the gift giving was a piece of that. Yes. I like seeing the origin and I like that we're bringing up the origin story again because of the fucking war on Christmas or whatever. It's kind of like, okay, the war is kind of self-inflicted because all of these practices predate Christianity, Right. you know, but it's not like, ha huh, stupid Christians. Like, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Like they yeah. have just as much right to the traditions as we do, you know, cause it's a cultural thing. Right. It's not a religious thing. Their meaning behind their celebration, the reason they celebrate, sure, that's a religious aspect. But when it comes to the actual, like, traditions, it's not anything to do with the religion.
0: Right. Sec- okay. Secular people practice Christmas.
1: They do. They absolutely do. Um, Okay, so speaking of the practices that were happening in Yule, I did find a excerpt here from the lay of helgi the son of Hjorvarth, chapter four and this kind of goes into it's just a it's a good look at what was actually done traditionally during those three days and again this is just one account so grain of salt and all that um it says he then was at home with his father king Hjorvarth, in norway "'Heathen was coming home alone from the forest one Yule Eve and found a troll woman. "'She rode on a wolf and had snakes in place of a bridle. "'She asked heathen for his company. "'Nay,' said he. "'She said, thou shalt pay for this at the king's toast. "'That evening the great vows were taken. "'The sacred boar was brought in. "'The men laid their hands thereon "'and took their vows at the king's toast. "'Heathen vowed that he would have Svava, "'Emlimi's daughter, the beloved of his brother Helgi.' Then such great grief seized him that he went forth on wild paths southward over the land and found Helgi, his brother. So in the old traditions, the Yule feast marking the new year was a great event in the heathen north. And you're kind of seeing that with the sacred boar, the vows that were taken, um, which some people believe to be the the origin of New Year's resolutions. I don't know. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Um, But also... There's a lot of the ghosts and witches, like this troll woman showing up. You see that a lot in these old tales around Yule, that there's all these like spooky critters and like things of the night and things of evil, like showing up and spooking around. Um, and that kind of gets into like more of the folk traditions that we'll get into. <laughs> but yeah, I liked I liked the look though of, you know, what kind of rites were performed in the in that story, at least. I know that there's other ones.
0: Totally. I've heard the same kind of thing, too, about, like, laying hands on the board and making your oaths upon it.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay. Any other things in our historical section of this episode?
0: I think we should talk about the wild hunt.
1: Yeah. You want to get into some folk traditions? Totally. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I I like that a lot of people talk about the wild hunt but they don't actually like know they talk about it but they don't be about it
0: right right
1: <laughs> but i mean it's because there's not a lot of things written about it um i did find a little excerpt and i know you have one too yeah mine is from the encyclopedia of norse and germanic folklore mythology and magic by claude le Couteau, who is one of my favorite authors he also wrote the Tradition of Household Spirits, which I, which I also highly recommend to everybody. Um, a lot of his work is kind of dry, but it's very well-researched, so it's always worth a read to me. Okay, do you want me to read what he had here? Absolutely. Okay, it's going to be an abridged version, because there's things that I don't care to get into, such as the Greek and Roman practices. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, okay. All right. In all the Germanic countries, this phenomenon bears the name of the army or hunt of Woden, Odin, and so on. In France, it has close to 40 different names, depending on the region. The wild hunt refers to a retinue of the dead led by a one-eyed giant that appears during the 12 days of the Christmas tide. Also referred to in Germany as the 12 nights or Raunacht. I don't know how to speak German. (laughs) It has also been interpreted as a personification of storms, but this is not the original meaning. It is more likely to be a reflex of a cult of the dead. The 12 days, 12 nights represent a key period when the deceased can return and the gateway to the other world is open. Uh, The church interpreted these troops of the dead as those of the damned and integrated the wild hunt into the great cycle of the punishment of sin. The members of the band are then children who died unbaptized, suicides, murder victims, murderers, adulterers, those who disrupted a holy service, and those who broke their fast during Lent, which (laughs) I'm having a hard time with, like, murderers running around with babies who weren't baptized, like, they're all in the same group of sinners, they're victims are all in the same group? Like, how?
0: Yeah, I can't imagine just being murdered and then all of a sudden being a member of the Wild Hunt. That doesn't seem fair.
1: The dude who just likes snacking and he broke his, his fast? Right. <laughs> He's right here around with the murderers? Um, Yeah, anyway. Whoever finds himself in the path of the Wild Hunt risks being carried off, which just barely failed to happen to 16th century French poet Pierre de Ronsard, if we can believe his hymn de Demons or hymn of the demons. The first written account of the Wild Hunt dates from 1092 and is found in Orderic Fatalis' Chronicle, Historica Ecclesiastica. Accounts began to multiply starting around 1170. This extremely popular mythic theme was gradually enriched with meaningful details. A cart became a part of the troop, as did various animals. I think it's funny. I love that though, because like then we can see also these traditions were just adopted by the church it's just like oh yeah the wild hunt spooky spooky odin and his ghost people like those are unbaptized babies (laughs) 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 what
0: the hell i think it's also really interesting how all of these different cultures share pieces of their history and, and beliefs because it's not just a a, a Norse belief. It's not just an, a Germanic belief. It was also French. It was also Balkan yeah. and Slavic. I mean, these, these things go all over the place. Like Grim, the Grimm brothers wrote about the wild hunt. Yes. I have a, an excerpt from Benjamin Thorpe. Let's do uh, it. In Thorpe's Northern mythology, volume two, page 83. In Scania, the sounds like voices that are at times heard in the air in November and December are by the common people called Odin's Hunt. Grimm also connects the Wild Hunt with Odin, the tradition of which is current over almost all Germany. In the course of time after the introduction of Christianity, the pagan deity degenerated into a wild hunter regarding whom almost every place where he is said to ride its tradition. And of course, this was written in 1850, so... Mm -hmm. (laughs) bear that in mind
1: (laughs) i love that i think it's spooky i kind of love it some somewhere and i don't have the source for this but somewhere it was said that the myth of the wild hunt or the story the legend that's a better story the word the legend of the wild hunt was created because during this time of year there's a migration of these giant fucking crane birds That make a whole ruckus, and like the sound of their flapping wings is very intense, and the noises they make, and they fly at night. Interesting. And so, like that's where they think that the like superstition came in around that time of year. But I can't. It's not sourced, so I trust me, bro. Trust me, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So some other uh, folklore that I love. Um, And Iceland actually has a lot of, like, the weird, spooky folklore around Yule, which makes me so happy. Uh, So we have Gríla, who is an ogress with an appetite for the flesh of mischievous children, who she cooks in a large pot. Um, Her husband, Lepaluthi, is lazy and just stays at home in the cave. So, I mean, that's pretty typical of of troll husbands. Right. Um, Then there's the Yule lads. And these are 13 mischievous pranksters who steal from or harass the population. And they all have descriptive names that uh, convey their favorite way of harassing. And I actually just had that pulled up. Where did I put it? (laughs) Are you ready for the names of these Yule lads? Lay it on me. Okay. We have Sheepcoat Claude, who bullies sheep. (laughs) He is impaired by his stiff peg legs. (laughs) Oh, no. We have Gully Gock, who hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Ooh. We have Stubby, who steals goats. (laughs) Oh, wait. Steals. Hold on. Uh, Yeah, so we have Stubby. He's short, and he steals food from frying pans. So he's like the short, chubby one. Oh no! We have spoonlicker who licks spoons, which may be the most egregious of the crimes committed here. <laughs> we have pot scraper. He steals unwashed pots and licks them clean, which honestly I find that to be helpful. Yeah. Um, bowllicker. He steals bowls of food from under the bed, which I s- guess that uh, people used to store food under the bed. That's upsetting (laughs) food around the bed at any time is upsetting to me so
0: no bed snacks are great you're wrong
1: no (laughs) um well you better watch out because bowl liquor is going to come steal your ritz crackers and peanut butter
0: i don't keep them in bowls
1: (laughs) okay um we have door slammer who stomps around and slams doors keeping everyone awake which is just rude um, we have Skier Gobbler. He eats up all the Icelandic yogurt, which is called Skir. And I don't know if you've tried it, but it's gross.
0: I have, and it is disgusting.
1: So he can have all of that, I feel.
0: Yeah, sorry for all the Icelandic people that are <laughs> horrifically offended right now.
1: We have Sausage Swiper. He loves stolen sausages. Uh
0: i got lots to say but i'm gonna give it to myself
1: Uh, we have window peeper oh no he likes to creep outside windows and sometimes steal the stuff he sees inside pervert i know he's a big old pervert we have door sniffer which just gives me the strangest visual image like (laughs) i don't know He has a huge nose and an insatiable appetite for stolen baked goods. Uh, Then we have Meat Hook, (laughs) who snatches up any meat left out, especially smoked lamb. And then the last one here is Candle Beggar, which he steals candles, which used to be sought after items in Iceland. And now it's just going to upset some new age witchy type ladies. Oh, no. So there's that. Oh, and then um, there's also, of course, the Yule Cat. Have you heard about the Yule Cat? No. Okay. The Yule Cat (laughs) is a huge and vicious cat who lurks about the snowy countryside during Christmas time and eats people who have not received any new clothes for Christmas.
0: Oh, that's... (laughs) rude what is that what (laughs) that's very specific
1: (laughs) it's like oh you're too poor to afford clothing gonna eat you i'm gonna eat you yeah (laughs) don't eat the rich let's eat the poor
0: that seems like a bad policy i
1: i agree i really do i'm like that's some fucked up traditions not i'm not trying to like hate on some you know sacred cultural traditions or anything but they kind of
0: no. Weird. <laughs> no. Now I'm gonna have to make sure that I buy everyone I care about clothes.
1: Yeah or else they're in danger from the Yule Cat.
0: This is a first world problem.
1: It really is. <laughs> That's really the only like folk traditions that I found that stuck out to me specifically.
0: Um, I mean there's a lot of really weird things around this time of year. Like I uh, I don't have a source for it so it's just trust me bro but. Love it. One of them was like, don't leave your panties on the ground because the house trolls will take them.
1: <laughs> um, naughty, naughty, naughty. Yeah. Oh, what's the one? The Yule Lads. It's like, put candy in your shoes or they're going to fill your shoes with rotten potatoes.
0: Oh. <laughs> so well, there's that. What's with all these first real? I don't. We have to spend so much money around this time of year already, and to have to add more money to appease trolls and shit.
1: I know. And see, this is it. This is where the capitalist traditions of Christmas <laughs> began.
0: That's that. That's a valid take. That's a valid take.
1: <laughs> like, you've always had to spend extra money and make extra food and buy extra clothing. <laughs> Otherwise, your kid's going to get eaten by a cat or have yeah. rotten potatoes in your freaking shoes, which is just inconvenient.
0: Nobody wants any of that.
1: No, no. Okay. So we talked about the historical aspects of Yule and some folk traditions. What are your traditions? Because I think that I think that that's something that a lot of heathens want to know, especially if they're newer to the practice. Like, what do you do for Yule? And also, I kind of wanted to get into it because we both have kids, you know? And like, so I wanted to talk about how we involve our kids or our family in those traditions.
0: Totally. Totally. So my basically my entire Yule practice came from um, a group of people that used to be called Hugans Heathen Hoff, which unfortunately are no longer around.
1: It's so sad. I loved that website. Loved that website. It was so good.
0: There's I have some mixed feelings about it because a lot of it could be very Wiccan in origin, but I like I like a lot of the things that I that I found on Heathen Hoff. A lot of their practices because they just seem very. I don't know, very, very on the nose. And so while I've taken all of my Yule tradition from the Heathen Hoff website, I have kind of tailored it for me and my family.
1: Perfect. I love that. Also, like, I feel like anytime that you're getting into a Reconstructionist uh, faith or path or religion, whatever you want to call it, there's going to be aspects of other practices in it. It's just how that goes.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. You know,
1: like, we don't have all of the pieces And I cannot do a full sacrificial bore for three days. That doesn't fit my lifestyle. So I've got to come up. (laughs) I do live in the suburbs. I think my neighbors would be really concerned, but like, so we do have to tailor it. We do have to alter it a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, like my family, we, we still celebrate Christmas. We're heathen and we call it Yule. We do the 12 days of Yule, but we still celebrate on Christmas day. But yeah. Okay. Sorry. I did not mean to interrupt you. Get into your... No, that's
0: okay. Okay. (laughs) My family does the same thing, essentially. I do 12 days of Yule. And then because I'm married into a family that is not a heathen family, they also do Christmas. And so we do that too.
1: (laughs) I think that's fine. Yeah. So
0: 1220 is when I start. That's my first night of Yule. Mm -hmm. That one um, I refer to, most people refer to as Mother's Night. Uh, that's dedicated to Frigg and her handmaidens in the Dcer. Even though there's also Disting and a few other like Disa bloat, there's I also include the Dcer in there. Um, I do a little prayer to Frigg and her handmaidens, and then uh, I try to make a dinner that's kind of traditional to my family. Uh, unfortunately i don't have any of those so i just make up my own like this year i'll probably do something like yakisoba because it's delicious <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the traditional dish of yakisoba for you right i love it so much
0: <laughs> we, you know we put out a, a plate a portion of our meal for the DC'er and for Frig and for freaks handmaidens uh and then we we actually have this little game that we play um where after we eat we write down the names of all of uh, Frigg's handmaidens on, and then we put them into a hat or a jar and then we, we each take turns pulling one of those names out and then the the characteristics that these handmaidens embody is then what we would focus on for the next year
1: Oh that's cool, I love that Yeah pretty- I think I might borrow that from you because I like that idea a lot
0: Do it, it's great The next day, 1221 I I, I follow along the Heathen Hoff schedule and I go with uh, Sol and Mani um, so we do, you know, a prayer before the sun comes up because this is the longest day of the year, and so this is the day when soul needs our help the most. Uh, so I light a fire before the sun comes up uh, to try and like help energetically fuel her journey across the sky. For longest day of the year,
1: I love that. That's so great.
0: This is also the day that I, do the, I start my Yule log, and then I save those ashes for the last day of Yule
1: amazing. Okay.
0: Uh the 22nd I do for Frey and the alfar the elves. Uh you know, that we do a little prayer and then <clears throat> cook pork in honor of Frey that that evening there. Um and we we just enjoy uh discussing at at dinner over this pork that we cook, uh discussing our accomplishments for the year and kind of uh, sharing what we'd like to accomplish in the next and giving each other support in, in that endeavor.
1: Cute. I love it.
0: Yeah. The 23rd is going to be upsetting for a lot of people. It's for Loki and Sigin.
1: I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Do not bother writing in the comments. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is fine. Tell me what it is.
0: So essentially, during the day, we make an animal mask that represents an attribute that we would like to embody in the coming year. Um, I've got bear, wolf, fox, mink, seal, boar, horse, rabbit, cat, snake, deer, raven, falcon, and goat. And so it's just like a crafting day, essentially. Like, we craft these little masks. Um, But yeah, so we just do that, kind of build crafts together. Um, I don't have, like, a a, a a set-aside dinner for this day. It's just, you know. Fend for yourself.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's fine.
0: Which is something that Loki's very used to, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 24th uh, is the Wild Hunt, the Night of the Wild Hunt. Um, and I actually include a piece of Norse and a piece of Germanic traditions, uh, which, of course, I got from Heathenhof and kind of tailored for my family. This day is for Odin and Frau Holde.
1: Okay. <gasps> Tell us about Frau Hulda.
0: Okay, so uh, everyone knows about Odin, right? But Frau Holda is also regarded as one of the leaders of the Wild Hunt, as well as a goddess who ruled over the productivity of the household, winter, spinning yarn, and magic in old Germanic beliefs.
1: Dope. I love that.
0: Yeah. So this is a day that we do some more crafts. We make some, uh, some ornaments for our Yule tree in honor of Oski, Oski is Odin's aspect as the grantor of wishes. So we would create an ornament that kind of embodies what we'd like to see in the coming year, and then we would ask for Oski's blessings um, for each of our little ornaments, which could double as offerings.
1: Cute! I love that. Yeah,
0: and then I leave out carrots and lettuce for the horses of Odin and Frau Holde Sleipnir and Frau Holda's horse, which I don't know the name of, but I leave out uh, carrots, apples, uh, lettuce as an offering to them to make sure that they still have energy to continue on with their wild hunts which of course is as we spoke about earlier the you know ghostly parade of spirits who ride wildly through the night and snatch up any unlucky traveler who crosses their path uh, Odin and Frau Hulda and their people and ghosty things <laughs> uh,
1: their parade of spookies
0: their parade of spookies They they you know track down all of these errant spirits so that they don't harm anybody the 1225 is for balder and his wife uh, which is christmas day for people who celebrate christmas um this one is it's uh it's kind of like a a, a vigil for me a vigil vigil i don't know yeah vigil
1: that's a good word there we go
0: vigil i'll I'll take it so we light candles for balder um and uh unfortunately i I also include a bit of levity in here where i i ask for blessings on sprigs of mistletoe because i'm a dick
1: that is unfortunate (laughs) but i mean uh i feel like people worship the item of their god's destruction all of the time that's a very common practice Mm -hmm. crucifixes (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly what i was thinking like oh do I say it? Do I say it? I have to. They know what they're doing. They know what they It's not they're new doing. information. Yeah.
0: Well, also Baldur's kind of a, you know, he seems like a cool guy. So, like, he probably forgave mistletoe.
1: Of course he did. I For bet he people. is a really cool guy. He's like, oh, that sweet little sprig of mistletoe. I didn't know. Just a baby. Just, Just a, a baby. baby.
0: Wait, that's all I do on the 25th, aside from doing the general secular Christmas things like opening presents and waking up way too early Ugh, God, I know. Listening to screaming children and... (laughs) Yeah, mainlining coffee into my heart. Absolutely. (laughs) 1226 is the next day. Uh, This one is for um, a deity that I've had a hard time sourcing, but I have only heard about through uh, conversation with German people, and that is Kauri and his kin.
1: How do you spell that?
0: k-a with an accent r-i
1: okay yeah tell tell me about it
0: so uh kauri is a giant of the wind the brother of aegir the sea god and logi the god of fire uh he's essentially the personification of the north wind uh kauri is the father of a son named unfortunately frosty which means frost
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's okay. att-
0: it's actually attested to in the Orkney Inga Saga. Um, okay. And he's got a son named Jokul, which means uh, glacier. In the Versi Norreger
1: Bigdist, I can't... I, this I, is I, fine. This is great.
0: Yeah, I can't pronounce these words. This son is in turn the father of Snare, which means snow, uh, who is the father of Thori. Thori is the name of the of Father Winter, for which Thorablot is named. Right, And he then has three daughters Mule, which means powdered snow Thrifa, which is snowfall And Fon, which is snowdrift
1: Cute, that's adorable Yeah
0: So We do a little prayer to Kauri and his kin And then we make a feast of Lamb stew and leaf bread I of course don't actually like lamb So I Will just most likely have like spaghetti or something Easy (laughs) (laughs) Keeping in the northern tradition there of the spaghetti. absolutely,
1: absolutely, <laughs> uh,
0: we make a there's snowflake designs on these like little leaf breads, right? Cute, and uh, they make a really good offering to Cowdry and the spirits of winter. Before we eat, of course, we leave some off some of our food as an offering uh, to these deities and their family. And uh, I also like to offer a little bit of vodka or like peppermint schnapps because <gasps> Cowdery is a trash mouth like you.
1: that listen, I don't drink peppermint schnapps. That was the first uh, spirit that I ever tried at an age that was far too young. And now I will not. I will not. I can't.
0: It's terrible. Full of the spirit there, huh?
1: Oh, God. Absolutely horrifying. (laughs) Fucking peppermint schnapps. And then
0: 1027, 1227. I jumped back to October for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Scotty and Uller. I make edible ornaments out of like popcorn, dried fruit. and and sew it and i put it on natural string like jute twine and then i decorate a tree outside a living tree cute yeah
1: i Uh, do the same thing on a different day but i love that i love that plus you can get your kids involved which is super cute
0: yeah 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 i love it it's fantastic it's wonderful it's cold because it's it's in december
1: Mm -hmm. yep yep yeah it's the season
0: i would recommend to all of the maybe two or three listeners that we have right now that uh, <laughs> don't put anything outside that you can't leave outside. If you're going to go into like the forest or something to decorate a living tree, don't leave anything there that would upset the gods or Yord or nature, nothing that's not biodegradable or consumable by nature. Please do not leave those outside.
1: Please. Good point. Thank you. In
0: 1228, It's for Njord and Nerthus, uh, who are siblings and unfortunately potentially the parents of their twin children.
1: It was a different time.
0: It was a different time. A different different realm, a different time, yeah. (laughs) Um, Tonight I do something pretty interesting. I make a pudding. Traditionally we have plum pudding, but I do whatever kind of pudding there is that I want to feel like making. Get my whole family involved in the making of that so that we're all stirring our energy into this pudding. Cute. And then we would drop a, a coin into the pudding and then we would we'd dish it up and then whoever got the coin in their pudding um they get a blessing of wealth in the coming year
1: that's really cute i like that yeah
0: and we also leave out some of the pudding of course as an offering to njord and nerthus 12 29 is for freya <laughs> um specifically as a sather practitioner master even um we do a little prayer and then we ask her for her blessing. We ask her for to help us uh, with clarity for the coming year and and to kind of see things as they are. Uh, give her little offerings of you know champagne, berries, chocolate, flowers. Gold.
1: Gold. <laughs> I love that. I don't have any gold to offer.
0: I don't either. That's why I just paint gold stuff. <laughs> okay, sorry, oh. babe. Here you go.
1: Listen, so we're on a college budget. This is the right. best I can do. Yeah. No offense.
0: Chicken top ramen. The seasoning is kind of gold flavored.
1: It is. In the packet, the foil packet, it's shiny.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I it's love that. Offerings on a budget. We're gonna have to do an episode on that.
1: Oh my god, that's a really good idea though.
0: Twelve thirty. Idun and Bragi. Um This is when we make wassail.
1: Was- I love
0: wassail is so good. That's so that's good. The whole activity for the day is just making a Wassel. Oh,
1: excellent. I love that day for you. I'm going to have that day too.
0: 1231. Um, Thor and Seif. This is 12th night. So this is the last night of Yule for me. Is is the last day of December. Um, and this is the day that we would make, uh, we, we would do our spiritual cleansing, spiritual and physical cleansing of our house. We clean our house back to front and everything top down. The whole house, clean the whole house. As we're doing this, we're, we're also fumigating with with herbs um, that are local to my house and my property here, and that that is specific to the land whites that we have living here on our on our property because they are the ones who are helping me, you know, to grow everything that I have in my in my yard here. So I use the herbs and the things that I have here to fumigate my land and my my house. And this is also a day when we would take that uh, the ash from our Yule log, and we would sprinkle some across every entrance and window sill to help protect the inside of our house from Ooh, okay. the negativity of the outside of our house. I love that. Yeah. At midnight on the new year is when we would start banging pots and pens to create a cacophony so that we make all of the remaining negativity of the Yule spirits that are around that didn't get picked up by the wild hunt to kind of get the fuck out of here.
1: Sound cleansing, baby. Heck yeah. I love me an audio cacophony.
0: You are okay. an audio cacophony.
1: I, that's very true. I am, I am an audio cacophony. Um, my traditions, some of them are very similar to yours. We do the Mother's Night. Um, my Mother's Night is uh, more focused on my ancestors, which, I mean, the deceased, right? But um, I don't really do a lot for any deity that day. Uh, I will make recipes that belong to my grandmother, Um, and it's usually me and Johnny, my oldest kid, uh, that are doing the baking and the mixing. And as we are doing those things, um, I'm telling stories about them and memories that I have of them and the way that we used to spend time together. Um, this year I've got a couple new additions, unfortunately, to the ancestors that I get to honor, but that's the thing. Like, it's so healing and it's so beautiful and I've actually invited my mother and my sisters to come over and share in that with me this year. So I hope that they do, if they don't, it's a whatever, but it's not like it's a super heatheny heathen practice. Like I'm not going to be like banging on a drum and growling into the night. Like it's just getting together and sharing memories and honoring the women of our line, you know? And so it's something that anybody can take part of. It's honestly like, I find it to be a, secular friendly practice
0: (laughs) see I see that as being incredibly heatheny
1: it's incredibly heatheny but it's not gonna spook the normies right you know like it's super heathen, yeah um so yeah we'll do that uh the solstice is when I usually will light a fire or a candle honestly it's usually a candle because my own personal tradition and I don't know if anybody else does this I just keep a fire lit for 12 days So I've got emergency candles that I always keep going for the full 12 days. Um, I also have a Yule log, uh, but it's usually a decorating the Yule log on that day and then burning it on New Year's Eve. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, The third day, I usually will do um, something cute for the house spirits. Which we call in my house the Tomta, which is the Swedish name for them. Um, that's the little gnome dudes that you see everywhere that, like, all the basic bitches are putting up as their Christmas decor now.
0: Oh, I've got like, Tomta in my house. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Like, I have them around just because we have them around, but there's Christmas specific ones, um, which has made it kind of cute because then I have access to things that are, like, culturally part of our tradition uh, for cheap, which is great. Um, but I have a book on the Tomta that's really cute that I'll read to the kids. And that's essentially all we do that day. Um, I'll usually like clean, put an offering out. Um, The next day is one of my favorite days because we do the land spirits one. And this is when we make the, um, the popcorn string like you were talking about so this is when we'll go hang that we also make these really cute um pine cone bird feeders so we'll take a pine cone and we'll roll it in peanut butter and then roll it in bird seed and go hang it out in the tree that's cool they love it and it's really cute and the kids love making it like they love getting involved with that one they don't really love the stringing of the popcorn and that's fine but the messy bird food disaster pine cones they are all about it
0: i bet i bet um
1: and yeah, so, and all of this is accompanied with me telling them why we're doing it, right? Because I believe everything should have a why. I don't do anything by rote. Um, and then Christmas Eve is the next day, which I will do my fray feast on Christmas Eve. Um, because that has kind of always been our family tradition, is we get together with my parents on Christmas Eve. We have ham, we have cheesy potatoes, and then it's a really, like, special um tradition for us where we all get together and talk about how we're like what we're thankful for for the year before and then we also share one of our favorite family memories around Christmas time um and like we stay up and and the kids get all excited for Santa coming because we still do the Santa tradition in my family at least um (laughs) did I tell you I'm gonna go off on an aside did I tell you how I almost ruined Santa for my child
0: You did, but I want the the listeners to hear it.
1: Okay, okay. So I have this I have this Santa that I bought from a store. It's like one of those decor Santas that's like the the porcelain doll-looking Santa that has like the big furry jacket and the big white fluffy beard and the hat and all that shit. And it was it was a very foresty looking Santa, so I brought him home and I painted over one of his eyes and like made it so it looks like a scar. And so he looks like Odin. So now I've got my Odin Santa up in my house. And I was getting all my Yule decorations out this year. And I pull out the the Odin Santa and I was like to my son, I was like, Did you know that the story of Santa has its origins in Odin? And he's like, What do you mean, the Santa story? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh shit. And I was like, oh, oh, I just mean that some people think that Santa is Odin. And he's like, really? And so I, I covered it. But I literally almost ruined Santa for my child. He's only seven years old. I would have felt so bad. If you're That's listening, Johnny,
0: please stop listening immediately. Johnny,
1: turn this podcast off. <laughs> well, no, if you are a child, don't listen to this podcast. Do you know how many times we've sworn and things? Yeah. Like, we've kept it pretty PC, I think, compared to, like, how we normally talk. But still. You
0: should write a primer on your Yule practices because I want to adopt some of yours.
1: Okay, I will. I've thought about it. It's just a lot of work. I think about it every Yule. And then by the time Yule's over, I never do it.
0: We'll put it on a list. We'll put it on a list of like long-term goals, stretch goals. Okay.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and maybe I'll remember to take pictures of all the activities this year. Ooh. And then that can be like a like a little ebook or something. That'd be cute. Totally. Yeah, okay. Um anyway, so we do phrase feast on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day is Christmas Day. And so we do the gift exchange and it's all about family time. And I'm sorry, family time is heathen shit. The the connection, the gift giving, Gabo, all of that is heathen as fuck. And so that's all I worry about on that day. We feast, we enjoy each other. Oh, it's so good. Um, And then the day after Christmas is when we talk about the wild hunt and we do our offering to Odin. Um, And I I honestly like kind of curb it a little bit and I tell it like it's a legend um, so my kids aren't like weird and worried about it because uh, it is a, it's a cool story, but my kids are little, right you know And so I'm just like, oh, it's the wild hunt and the you know and sometimes the clouds are spooky and that's great. Um, but I will usually make an offering to Odin begrudgingly. You guys when you listen to this podcast will understand that I'm not a big huge fan of Odin. But that's just for me. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then the day after the wild hunt, we go out on a nature walk. And that can just be around the block or whatever. But we get out. We breathe some fresh air. We um, Sometimes, if I'm super mom, it depends, we'll have hot cocoa. Uh, So that's something that you can involve your kids in, hot cocoa. If you're going hiking, you can take a little snacky. You can take a little trail mix. You can take a little whatever beef jerky, maybe they can get involved in that. Um, but then leave offerings as you're out and talk about the nature spirits,
0: nature appropriate offerings,
1: nature appropriate offerings. Correct. Um, and then the day after that is cozy day.
0: Cozy <laughs> day. I love so, that.
1: Because I firmly believe that enjoying your home is kind of a form of veneration Um, I will often give an offering to Frigg on this day. Usually most of my days are associated with one God or goddess that kind of fits with the theme of the day. Um, but hearth and home, I sit and I enjoy it. And that's a granny day, baby. I am doing puzzles. We have a fire going. Like, it's so nice to just, we're playing cards. We're hanging out as a family. Like it's cozy day, you know? And it's like really embracing the, how it's cold outside and cozy inside and how they would have just spent time together. And like, you know what I mean? I love the cozy day.
0: It's very um, evening.
1: I think so. But also I have cozy day because it precedes the end of the year celebrations, which are a lot of work. And I've just spent a lot of work previously Uh because the next day before new year's Eve, I am cl- doing my cleaning and cleansing of the house. Like you've talked about, uh, and I love that day. I call it the purge, actually, <laughs> because I'm like literally going through and just shoving all of the old stuff. Then the next day is the New Year's Eve and we burn the Yule log. And then, uh, oh, and then New Year's Day is, or maybe I'm going to get mixed up. Anyway, uh, New Year's Day, I will also do like the New Year's resolution thing. Or it's like New Year, New Me, goals, visions. New Year, um, save me. New year's day, ma'am, I'm not going to change, but you know, I have I have dreams. Uh, Big guns. But, hey. Um, but yeah, and that day honestly is uh, usually a day that I will do divination for the year to come and honor Freya on that day as well.
0: But that, that's it. just me. I did. That's it. Yule.
1: That's Yule. I think I will make a uh ebook or something. I think that'd be pretty great.
0: Totally, we can do it together.
1: Okay. I love that. Fantastic. That means you're going to have to take pictures of all the cute things you do too. Maybe. Yeah. Hard maybe. <laughs> I'll take it. It's better than a no. <laughs> <sighs> all right. I hope you guys found this informative and fun. And I encourage you all to create your own Yule traditions. And I want to hear about them. I want to hear about them. Wherever you're seeing this podcast or hearing this podcast, leave the leave a comment. Like, subscribe, share, share. Get it out there. We have so many things we're going to cover, you guys. We have an entire year of podcast episodes planned out. We're going to get into, again, lore and practice. Like, how to actually heathen. Not just covering historical things. We're going to talk about the deities. We're going to talk about traditions. Um, we're, we're really fucking stoked, actually.
0: We're going to have guest speakers.
1: I mean, Maybe. I feel like... <laughs> Maybe. I, I would I would hope so. I think that we'll probably get sick of each other's voices by... Episode two. Probably.
0: It hasn't happened yet. It probably won't ever happen.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>